You're listening to the Pure Fury Creations Entertainment Network. The views and opinions expressed on this episode are those of the speaker and do not necessarily reflect the views, opinions, or philosophies of the PFC Entertainment Network or any of the affiliates that make this show possible. This show has also been rated M for mature audiences only. Bueller. Bueller. When this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're going to see some serious... Surely you can't be serious. I am serious. Now don't call me Shirley. Nobody can stay here. I'll be back. Wax on. Wax off. Go ahead. Make my day. Sweep the leg. Here, here. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubble. Don't mess with the bull, young man. You'll get the horns. This is Power Trippin' Through the 80s with Jason Klaus and Sean Grugel on the PFC Entertainment Network. Hello everybody, welcome to Power Trippin' Through the 80s here on the PFC Entertainment Network. <laughs> well, hang on, we're going to do this in two parts here. <laughs> oh, is that what it is? Yeah. You're surprising me right now. Well, back. listen, uh, I like to keep things, I like to keep you on your toes. Fat guy can only stay on his toes for so long before they get pressed into the ground. I guess I should wait till you're not drinking a, a <laughs> bottle of water before I drop something on. But no, we we have a fun episode on tap here for you. And we were, we will switch over to our colleagues at WFUK Radio here momentarily because we do have a special countdown show. Uh, one that um, I'm looking forward to. We're actually for the first time going to break down an, an entire album, but we'll get to that here in a little bit. But before we do, we made mention of it earlier in the week and last weekend. If you were part of the PFC All Stars live event um, on Saturday over, or I'm sorry, Friday over at Backroads Bar and Grill. But we were met that day with some unfortunate news uh, for one of the true icons of the 1980s uh, passed away, uh, Carl Weathers. Yeah, man. Oh, Apollo, Chubbs, uh, whatever you want to call him, man. The guy, the guy was a legend. Yeah. A fixture in Hollywood back in the 80s. So He's one of those guys that could have very easily been identified by one role. Because his role as Apollo Creed in the first four Rocky movies are... I mean, that without him in that role, I don't think Rocky would have been as successful as it was. Like, the dynamic between he and Stallone's character was off the charts and when Rocky four rolled around and his character winds up dying in the ring like that is one of the most traumatic events of that saga for for me you know because I mean I was sad when 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 Mickey died but like he was an old man right with with the bad ticker 
So you, you knew, you know, it, it was sad, but it wasn't, you, you kind of knew it, it, it was going to happen. But the first time of seeing Rocky IV and what happened with Apollo is like, man, that shit stuck with me for a long time. You know, you know what, you know what got me about that one? If he dies, he dies. Yeah. It's like, holy shit, talk about heartless Cold War bullshit right there. My God. The, I mean, that right there was the epitome on screen, uh, yeah, of a heel and of the of the tensions and the level of animosity, real life animosity between the the United States and the Soviet Union. Uh, but I, I'll tell you, uh, waking up and seeing that news, like I wasn't, I was not prepared for that. And you know, it's been a long time since a celebrity passing has happened where I'm just like I'm legitimately sad, but. That guy represented a, a big chunk of my childhood and fandom. But he went beyond that in the 90s with Chubbs Peterson in right. Happy Gilmore. And that almost became just as iconic of a role for him as Apollo because just recently they started running ads for, I, I don't remember what product it's for, but it's him and, and Gronkowski. And he was more or less reprising the Chubbs role Without it be without him saying that he's Chubbs, so that's a testament to who and what he was. Well, remember too, they also took the Chubbs character, which was uh, introduced to us in Happy Gilmore, and it transitioned over to Little Nicky. Yeah. Uh, when Little Nicky was meeting his mom for the first time and finding out she watched that go. Watch me now. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's all in the hips, man. You know, and then he was in Predator. You know, he played, he kind of played a dickhead in, in, in that movie, in Predator with uh, Schwarzenegger. And then, uh, you know, he's he had a, a role in the Mandalorian s series, I guess, for the Star Wars thing on Disney. But yeah, I've, I'm not a Star Wars guy. I've made no bones about it. But I knew he was in it, but I've never watched it. Have you? No. Uh, I tried watching the Mandalorian, and like you... Star Wars was a thing for me at first, and then it just kind of, as the term goes, jumped the shark for me. So, You know, it's funny you say that, and we are going to get on to our topic here in a moment. But I had a conversation with my buddy Dell at work, and he is of kind of the same mentality with, with all the prequels and all these side series and stuff. It's almost, in his fandom, ruined the appeal for the original three Star Wars movies. Is that where, where you're at with it? Oh, yeah. I stopped. Uh, I think the last one I actually saw was Attack of the Clones. Uh, so, I I don't know. Star Wars. I like sci-fi movies, but Star Wars to me was very long and drawn out. And all these introductions to these new characters and Baby Yoda and blah, 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 blah. I mean, really, who gives two shits anymore? <laughs> Oversaturation, right? All, all it is, to me, is, like we've been talking about it with the 80s, all these side shows, side series and movies, saw an introduction to a toy line to where they can make even more money and bastardize this franchise. Well, I don't think we could uh, sum that part up any better because I totally agree, but uh, we wanted to take a couple of minutes 
to uh, talk about Carl Weathers and just uh, pay our own tributes to him. And, uh, you know, thank you for being such a huge part of our of our fandom. Um, uh, in case you were wondering what I was watching, I watched my little chihuahua skirt her ass around about three different circles, stop, sniff it, and then ran up the stairs as fast as she could. I don't know what that was all about. I, I was looking at the notes I have pulled up on my phone in preparation for our topic, and I just kind of looked up at you, and I'm looking, and you're I'm like, what, <laughs> what the fuck did I just miss here? Yeah. All right, well, with that, uh, we are going to send it over to the studios of WFUK, where you could go fuck yourself, FM, and welcome to Castle Grugel. <laughs> along with Sean Grugel, I'm Jason Klaus, and we are going to break down one of the greatest albums ever recorded in the 1980s. Did you smoke some funny weed before you come into Castle Grugel? I will. I cannot confirm, <laughs> nor can I deny. I mean, this, this again was a money grab, as we just talked about The Mandalorian, yeah. to play off the excitement of a new channel that hit the airwaves, an MTV. Mm-hmm. Uh, Vince McMahon, take nothing away from what's happening now, but Vince McMahon, with his business acumen back in the 80s, saw a place for music videos within the wrestling scene. We've talked about Cindy Lauper before. We've talked about David Wolf before. And the wrestling album was brought to light. And you can say what you want about it, but I would put this up on the same level as a... Oh, let me think here for a second. How, how about a... Uh, 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 I can't even come up with I mean, there, there's... It's garbage. <laughs> it's absolute <laughs> fucking garbage. I mean, it's like if Larry the Cable Guy was humping a sheep, this would be the wrestling <laughs> album. Oh my God. You, you like that, Pope? I, I'm trying to try your analogies out. <laughs> He's going to certainly appreciate that. The wrestling album, um, <laughs> it was... <laughs> it, it was this... Well, this was one of the uh, pillar offerings for the lack of better term of the whole rock and wrestling connection you know this thing was released in november of 1985 earlier in the year we saw the first wrestlemania at madison square garden and this album dropped uh i believe it was the tuesday before their very first ever official pay-per-view which was the wrestling classic so you're, th- this is the time frame that we're in. Hulk Hogan is a year into his WWF title run. Um, the wrestling business is achieving worldwide expansion. The cartoon is a thing at this point. I mean, you cannot go anywhere without seeing something with the WWF logo on it at Mr. this point. Mr. T is a huge influencer in all of this. Even though he didn't perform on the wrestling album, I, I think Treat Your Mother Right could have just oh fit right God, into no. this uh, playlist here. Listen, you're going to hear some stinkers on this countdown. There, there's no doubt about it. But listen, I don't, I don't think I could ever sit through uh, that Mr. T song ever again. Like it, it still haunts me to this day. Cara Mia or Treat Your Mother Right. <laughs> Cara Mia. 
Jeremy. Yeah. All right. Because at least at least Volkov, and you'll hear it later on, Nikolai Volkov has a uh, he. I don't know. For me, it's a more soothing voice when you compare it to Mr. T's. I. They tried to disco it up. Oh, for, for sakes. fuck's sakes! <laughs> so this thing, you know, there was a lot of heavy hitters with with with, with the wrestling album back in that day. Rick Derringer. Um, who was a big star in the 70s with rock and roll hoochie coo. Uh, he was on board with this. David Wolf, like you mentioned, who was the manager slash boyfriend slash producer for Cindy Lauper. Jim Steinman, who I have no idea who the fuck that is. And Mona Flambeau, who is a, a well-known pr- producer. They actually mentioned her in the album. Now, what's interesting about this is that in between the tracks, we got commentary. From McMahon, Mean Gene Oakland, and Jesse the Body Ventura. And I feel like these are some of the most entertaining segments that it could really override the stinkers of, of some of these songs. Well, and that's the issue. We don't have the commentary. But you do got WFUK Radio here to provide a little commentary for you. And that's what we're here for. Now, this our first song on this list, it, it is the one that launched the album. This is what you saw on MTV. It was like the all-star group, like the entire roster, heels, baby faces, all converged to remake Land of a Thousand Dances. Now, it was the WWS version of We Are the World. Absolutely it was. (laughs) What a way to put it. Now, before the WWF put out their rendition, were you familiar with Land of a Thousand Dances? Yeah, I was. It's probably in some movie soundtrack or something like that, but... Yeah, but to see Vince McMahon up there gyrating and doing his thing with the butterfly collar shirt, <coughs> the black and white tuxedo with the butterfly collar, uh, big old greasy head of hair. What what killed me about that video? There, were, I mean, the wrestlers. It, it's worth checking out on YouTube. Look for. They stayed in character. They did. Mister Wonderful Paul Orndorff is the one who busted me up the most because the camera's panning across the whole stage of wrestlers and he's over there kissing his biceps and shit and it is the funniest shit ever freddie blassie did it for me did he yeah about you pencil neck geeks yeah so kicking off this countdown this breakdown of the wrestling album is the wwf wrestlers with land of a thousand dances
Jesse Ventura reads like the who's who, but that was, I'm glad to get away from it, really. Indeed, that was a battle royal of music if there ever was one. I'll tell you, that's funky, chaotic rock if I ever heard it. Wasn't King Kong Bundy great? He was off key. Ooh, was he ever. I'll tell you, though, I happen to be next to Junkyard Dog, and he was superb, really. Junkyard Dog, let me tell you something. The dude's got no business being in rock and roll. He sounds like a mutt with a bad bone in his mouth. Give me a break. He's on his way downstairs to do a single right now. As a matter of fact, I can't believe this. He's down in Studio C getting ready to do... What is this? Grab them cakes? Oh, welcome back here to WFUK. <laughs> you can go fuck yourself. FM, and you just heard the land of a thousand dances. Now, joining me in the studio here is the, the man who sang our next entry, the one and only WWF Hall of Famer, the Junkyard Dog. Junkyard Dog, tell us about the process of Grab Them Cakes. That's right, baby. Vince McMahon handed me a big wad of money. Ha, 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 you know how the dog does it. I can't do this. I can't keep a straight face, Jason. <laughs> oh, my God, dude. I'm over here fucking dying. <laughs> the dog had an itch that needed to be scratched, and I needed to grab them cakes. You know what I'm saying, Daddy? <laughs> if they ever relaunch a cartoon or something along these lines that incorporates the junkyard dog, if you are not tagged to do his voice, there is a miscarriage of justice here. But coming in at, 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 as the second entry on this on this album is "Grab Them Cakes." Now, this song, I did we did a little bit of research here a little bit ago, and there's in, there's interesting information on this. But it does feature Vicky Sue Robinson as his backup singer, and she was pretty well well established. I remember my parents talking about her because God bless them. I made them listen to this album when I got it. So when, you know, they knew Land of a Thousand Dances, and there's a couple of other songs that, that they know on here too. But when they heard Vicki Sue Robinson, like my mom was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe we haven't heard anything from her in a long time. So she's obviously well established. But here's what I found. Now, even though this song was recorded primarily as what, what would be the dog's uh, walkout music, um, it was originally recorded in 1981 by obscure rap artist Captain G C Chameleon, who also recorded Jive O Foe, which you and I were talking about, which was covered on Piledriver, the wrestling album 2, under the title Jive Soul Bro for the Doctor Style Slick. So it was very interesting, the two tie-ins here with this. But this song was one of... One of the few that actually had its own music video. It was on MTV. And it was one of three songs that was released as singles. Um, with their own uh, jacket art, for, for the lack of a better term. So I found that to be very interesting. So, 
Our next song on the... Wait a second, I got a question yeah, for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I'm sitting there, you know, he used this, well, this came out in 1985, right? Yeah. And he used this as his ring music. Yeah. Prior to that, it was Queens, Another One Bites the Dust. Mm-hmm. Do you think that this album, besides being a avenue for Vince McMahon to get into the music video business, do you think that this was used to circumvent the music rights laws that were coming into effect because of the pay-per-views? Could very well be. Could very well be because, I mean, as it is right now, you know, a, a lot of these songs, like we mentioned, were used as entrance themes. Right. But when you go back and you watch old pay-per-views on Peacock. At 40s this, songs. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, they have dubbed in some other, you know, copyright-free music. Because, you know, at this point, back in the 80s, I mean, they were starting to crack down on piracy and, and stuff like this. Nothing like what it is now, but this is where you really started to see they're at least paying attention to it because it's very frustrating when I'm waiting for Hillbilly Jim to walk out expecting what his song is going to be on here and it's it's not it's not that it's some generic you know a country music and it's it's really see the whole the business side of anything. Uh, I don't know. It, it's it's I'm torn on it because in one way, I want to see shit in its original form. Right. Why can't we do something where okay, everything's all about money and everybody wants their rights and and all this? And I get that you created this, you should be able to be compensated for it. But at the same time, it's fucking frustrating and it is it. I don't want to say it de-authenticates what I'm watching because what happens in the ring is what happens in the ring. But, man, it's still part of that presentation. Yeah, I was going to say, it takes a while away from the overall presentation when you get to generic music. Yeah, I totally agree. But, thankfully, it's, going, it's fixing to be immortalized here on WFUK because coming in next is Junk Your Dog with Vicki Sue Robinson and Grab Them Cakes. This dance in my neighborhood. Now everybody's doing it because it feels so good. All you need is a partner that know how to move, and the rest are real easy. You just stick the groove. And when you get yourself started, it's hard to start. You just go for your partners. You know what? And then you G R A B T A G C A K E It's hard to stop you. 
just go for your partners, you know what? And then you're postulate just momentarily on the virtues of Junkyard Dog. I think he can sing as good as he can wrestle. Even you had to be impressed, Jesse. I'm not impressed. Let me tell you what. It sounded like he had a mouth full of grit spewing out at the microphone. Hey, Jesse Ventura, there is a new artist out called Derringer. Have you heard about it? That's right, and it's dedicated to me, all-American Jesse the Body. No, 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 no. It's dedicated to Mike Rotundo and Barry Windham. Well, let me just say this, then Derringer should have stayed buried with rock and roll, Chico. And on the contrary, Jesse Ventura, the name of the song is Real American, the artist Derringer. I am a real American, fight for what's right, fight for your life.
I can't believe that's for Wyndham and Rotundo. Derringer, you should have buried yourself and stayed buried. Ah, oh, come on, Jesse. Eat your heart out. Oh. Uh, listen, that was, uh... We did find the some of the commentary from Vince and Jesse and Mean Gene Oakland, which... Surprise! Yeah. <laughs> They're, they're joining us here at WFUK, where you could go fuck yourself, FM. Uh, that song, Real American, has become one of the true iconic themes in all of professional wrestling. Because very much like what, what they were saying, originally recorded for Mike Rotundo and Barry, Rin, uh, Barry Windham. For whatever reason, it becomes Hulk Hogan's music. And I just saw a clip. Oh, God damn. Uh, must have been on TikTok. The very first night they used Real American as Hogan's theme. Okay. And they didn't start it with the guitar riff. They played the whole intro leading into oh, it. Oh, the whole real yeah, slow? Yeah, wow. the, the whole real slow intro then into the guitar. Thankfully, as time moved on, they cut the open part out and just went right to the, the guitar part. But I cannot imagine this song not being incorporated with Hulk Hogan. No, absolutely not. You know, we're going to hear the, the music that was originally supposed to be his theme song coming up. But that was actually used. Well, you know, so let's just skip that. We'll talk about it when we get there. Now, coming in uh, next with the next selection on this album is a guy that actually was a legitimate singer-songwriter. Yeah, and... Uh, my my mother my mother's friend Barb had a huge crush on him and expressed that on the Phil Donahue show. <laughs> <laughs> uh, back in the '60s, there was a band called the Gentries. Yes. And their big claim to fame song, the one that put them on the map, was called "Keep On Dancing." Now, in that group was a very young mouth of the South, Jimmy Hart. And I don't know if you've ever seen footage of this band. He see, I was under the impression like he was front and center. No, he was one of the, one of the backup singers. But there is a video of them singing the song. I, I I don't know if it was on Ed Sullivan or what. But you have to really stop and look and like, holy shit, that's him. Because now the Jimmy Hart that we saw in the WWF looks the same in 1985 than he does right now. Right. Like the man does not age. But back in the 60s, he didn't have his beard. He had no glasses on and you have to really look at the like his eyes is what what gave it away because he has very dis distinctive eyes but he, he is actually responsible for writing and recording a lot of the wwf's theme songs with jim johnston he wrote honky tonk man like a lot of the shit on you know from 86 on Jimmy Hart had a huge hand in that. He did Shawn Michaels. He did Ted DiBiase's. He did, I mean, anybody who was anybody in the late, mid to late 80s, if they had themed music, Jimmy Hart was usually in, in the studio. Hey, man, you know, Vince McMahon, you know, despite what people are saying about him now, then he was a smart man and just used what he had available to Absolutely. him. Absolutely. Uh, now, coming in uh, with our next entry here on the wrestling album eat your heart out rick springfield Ring. by the mouth of the south timmy hart hello hello hey cindy in <laughs> no who is this what do you mean who is this this is jimmy hart the mouth of the south where is she she's going to the rick springfield concert rick springfield 
Now that's the first real piece of talent I've heard on this side of the album. In all due respect, Jesse Ventura, I couldn't help but detect a little falsetto on the part of Jimmy Hart uh, during the course of that particular tune. That's called voice range. Huh, well, wait till you hear the voice range of our next artist, all 300-plus pounds of him. Oh, you got to be talking, Vince, about none other than Captain Lou Albano. You gotta be kidding. What is Captain Lou Albano gonna do? Strum the rubber bands on his face? All right, standing by is the capper, Captain Lou's History of Music. Hey! Captain! You go! Hey! You know, George, it all started back before the beginning of time, when the windy wind blew through the trees and banged against the rocks, creating a beat. Indians and visitors would long for that sound until one day George Lanito Basquims Albano picked up a big stick and hit a dirt pocket. Got it, George? The sound so moved Lanito that he called that sound a beat, a drum. Do you hear me, George? A drum, and it sound like this. Ah, music to my ears. Natives were chanting, Koya, Koya, Mino, Sona, Koya, Koya, Mino, Sona, which means turn down, turn down, me want solo. And the neighbors were complaining because of the noise, so right from the beginning, rock had a bad name. The neighbors complained, they moved, the new neighbors complained. It was almost like being on tour, George, to find it and move to the beat, and that was the first beat man.
You know, Sean. <laughs> Man. Back in the 80s, and I mean, not just in the 80s, but would you agree that our demographic of, of wrestling fans, our age group, had a real hard time in justifying to non-fans why this form of entertainment was not bullshit. We took this shit so seriously. And, like, when the wrestling album came out, it was like, yes, finally, you know, I get to introduce another side of this to my parents who were not fans. And then you listen to that piece of shit. And it... it, well, I take nothing away from Captain Lou and certainly not from George the Animal Steel, who was hey! stellar on backup vocals. <laughs> um, it's like that made it a hard sell for me, for like my parents to take this very seriously. Uh, you know, something I don't think I ever played this outside of my bedroom, to be honest with you. No, I, no, I don't think I ever did. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I, re- I remember having the vinyl. They let me play it one time on their record player. The first time I had, the first time I bought it, it was on vinyl, and I had a Michael Jackson r- record player in my bedroom. But they said I could play it on the big speaker or the, or the big stereo downstairs. So that was a big deal to me. Yeah, and I was all excited about it because, like I said, I like this is my attempt to show my parents that it's not all stupid shit and like up until up until we got to captain lou it was a respectable sell but after that man like my work was cut out for me when we got to side b hey (laughs) uh you know captain lou and, uh, and george the animal steel were two of my favorite characters growing up uh one of my favorite things ever was when george the animal steel went to some sort of shrink to have therapy God, done. Yeah, TNT. Yes, yeah. and they put the helmet on his head and they tried to make George smarter. Oh, oh no, no, brown cow. <laughs> <laughs> you don't get characters like that anymore. No, it's a damn shame. It really is. But that's a testament to, to the time that it was. But when you talk about characters in professional wrestling, names, star power, brother, it got no bigger. No bigger. Then the next entry, who's this was supposed to be his original theme, his original walkout music, and we're talking, of course, about Hulk Hogan. Now, what's called "quote unquote" Hulk Hogan's theme would uh, well, actually we used it into the open of the hot tag. We did, we did. Very iconic music, especially if you watch cartoons like we did. You know, this music became the theme song for Hulk Hogan's Rock and Wrestling, which is kind of indicative of this album because every character kind of played a role in the cartoon as well. Captain Lou Albano was known largely as a heel. Yeah. But I remember at one point in time, he was Hulk Hogan's roommate in the cartoon. Yeah. Someone's in the kitchen with the Hulk <laughs> Someone in the kitchen I know. Oh, oh, oh. You, know, you remember this now, don't you? Someone's in the kitchen with the Hulk <laughs> Eating like a buffalo, you know, so I, I don't know where to go from there. Well, <laughs> oh, I just shot water all over everywhere. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> well, go to the next. <laughs>
WFUKFM, the WWF All Stars with Hulk Hogan's theme.
that's absolutely oh, sensational. Man, that is sensational. <laughs> that is fabulous. Everybody has to like that one. Jesse, get your face out of the plumbing. We're almost there. Really? Come on, Jesse. Oh, I got through it. Yeah, well, you may not get through this next cut with uh, considering whom is going to tackle this one. I agree. Oh, I feel better already. A dear, dear friend of mine. For everybody. Rowdy, Roddy, Piper! Are you ready for this, Gene? <laughs> WFUKFM. Was it really for everybody, or was it something else, Jason? Well, upon research, much like we had talked about earlier with a couple of these other entries here, this was a cover of sorts for a song that was called Fuck Everybody, which really could have played into the whole Piper gimmick back in that day. Hell, it plays into my everyday gimmick anymore. <laughs> That's... <laughs> That's that's for sure. You know, low key, this was at the um, the height of Piper's heel run. Like he was very much the number or viewed 
by and large, as the number one villain to Hulk Hogan. But this was low-key one of my favorite songs on the album. I didn't think he did a bad job on it. Really? Uh, I, I wasn't really that impressed by it, but then again, I was... What... Where are we at on the countdown? Well, I, we're at uh, the number seven song. Number seven. The second oh. one of side B. Okay, so number nine. So second from last. Yeah. That was the guy I was into. That was that was my guy back in the day. So we'll, we'll talk more about that old country boy when we get a little bit closer. Well, before we do, we're going to get a, another cover here by um, one mean Gene Okerlund. Now, straight up. Mean Gene Okerlund had one of those distinctive voices. He was the voice of our childhood. Yeah, between him, him and Howard Finkel. And Howard Finkel, Absolutely. yes. As far as the stick men go. Right. Not necessarily commentary or anything like that. But although Okerlund did a lot of commentary, he was a, he was a very well-established radio DJ back in the day. He actually got his start in radio in, in the Flint, Michigan area. Did you know that? I heard something about yeah. that at one point in time, yeah. Uh, but he also recorded a couple of songs. So it wasn't out of the norm that he would have a hand in the wrestling album. He does do a cover of one of Little Richard's anthems. And again, he did a respectable job on it. Well, a wop wop a doop a bop bam boom or however the hell it goes. With that, <laughs> let's go to Mean Gene Okerlin with Tootie Fruity on WFUK. Wop wop a doop wop a wop bam boom Tootie Fruity. Tell you, um, this was this was a the one song where I found my mom 
tapping her toes to. Well, the thing with Mean Gene Okerlund, man, I, I'm surprised he was able to sing that song like that. I mean, if anyone knows anything about Mean Gene Okerlund, why he did have a voice of a generation, he was a heavy, heavy smoker as yeah, well. So. Yeah, he really was. Like, not a lot of people know that until, you, you know, nowadays you can go on YouTube and find all the bloopers and the outtakes from all of the... Uh, you know, the regional promos that they would do, you know, you know, coming to your town and like you go and find, oh, that's some of the funniest shit there ever was. But there is a lot of footage of um, Gene smoking, which, you know, we never saw that on TV. So, so seeing it nowadays as adults, like, damn, I didn't even realize that. So it's even more ironic one of his classic lines after it was after the 92 Royal Rumble when Ric Flair won the WWF title, he yells at a guy to put his cigarette out. Uh, that's because he couldn't smoke one himself. <laughs> <laughs> so. Well, um, coming in uh, at number nine, the, the ninth track on this album, it gets to the end of the album and I finally re- remember what word I've been wanting to use, track, the ninth track on this album. Um, it's actually one of the better songs on here, and it was one of the ones that was released as a single. The, the reason why I like this guy and this song so much, number one, the song fits Hillbilly Jim to a T. For sure. Number, one. number two, every time I hear this song, I can see him, Uncle Elmer, I think it was Cousin Junior, yeah, uh, coming down to the ring and doing the hoedown square dance in the middle of the ring. The thing with Hillbilly Jim, and a lot of people don't know, is he used to wrestle like down in the southern states, like Georgia Championship Wrestling and whatnot, as a, a biker gimmick by the name of Harley Davidson. Yeah. And he comes up to WWE, Stamford, Connecticut, and they immediately throw him in a hillbilly hat and overalls. And Hulk Hogan picks him out of the crowd. What kid wouldn't have loved to have been picked out of the crowd by Hulk Hogan? Not only was he picked up by Hulk Hogan, he was trained by Hulk Hogan, and at his first wrestling match, Hulk Hogan gave him his wrestling boots. Yes. that I mean, you cannot get a bigger stamp of endorsement, that rub, as we say in the business, than being shoulder-to-shoulder shoulder with Hulk Hogan. And in fact, uh, when the LJN figures came out, they came out with the, the first series of the individual ones. Then they started coming out with tag team packs. Iron Sheik and Nikolai Volkov uh, was one of the first series, but on the opposite side of that was Hulk Hogan and Hillbilly Jim as a tag as a tag team box set with tag team championship belts. So you know you if you're going to get a start in the WWF in in the New York territory, getting that rub from Hogan was right place, right time, and it obviously resonated because Hillbilly Jim to this day. One of the most iconic characters during this era. And still called Hillbilly Jim. Yeah, yep. So with that, let's go to the ninth track here on the wrestling album, Don't Go Messing With a Country Boy by Hillbilly Jim. Still, my first meal was a bassy kill. A bassy kill, a bassy kill. 
Jesse Ventura. Well, I'll tell you what, Vince, it doesn't matter if I got the message, it's did Brutus Beefcake get a message? Well, I don't know about that. I don't know if it's important that anybody got a message. After all, you've got to take into consideration our next artist and our next song, Vince. Boy, I'll say you got the message all the way from Moscow. Well, yes. Can you trust the man who is on a first-name basis with Mikhail Gorbachev? Give me a break, Jesse. Let me tell you this. It's Nikolai Volkov doing Karamia. Love
song written Get a hold of yourself. The song that most people oh, sing to anybody else. The Russian national anthem. Oh, not, <laughs> not, Listen not, this. Oh, no. well, I think it is. There no, it is. Hey, will you guys keep it down? I want to hear this because I have some beautiful voice. Just hold it down. The whole album has been great. This is garbage. This is an insult. Come on, this is... So, I'm a big fan of irony, right? Okay. Not only um, Iron Cheek, is that what no you said? irony. Irony. Although the Iron Cheek could could be incorporated into this. Now we just heard Nikolai Volkov, big Russian sympathizer, and you heard the commentary. That was very um, time frames sensitive. I mean that that really put on display the tensions between the Americans and the Russians back in the day. Nikolai Volkov was the ultimate heel at that point. Uh, now, the the ironic part is, Karamia is a cover song that you just heard. The original was done by a group called Jay and the Americans, but it was covered by a Russian. Do you think they did that shit on purpose? Absolutely, dude. <laughs> That's the genius of Vince McMahon. So, it was uh, just... It, it was, I knew back then that's what it was because, of course, you know, I've, I've mentioned it before. My parents told me that this was a cover song and that there was an, a, an older version of it. I didn't know until later on that it was done by Jay and the Americans. But when I found out, immediately it clicked. I was like, holy shit. That, like you said, genius move on Vince's part because not a lot of people know that. Speaking of genius move... Do you think we have anyone else listening to us after that song? I mean, come on, man. I would like to think so that our hardcore loyal fans are going to stick with us until the very end. Because with us, man, you you just never know. You have to listen to the end because you never know what we may or may not throw in there. Oh, you're telling me, buddy, because guess what? Huh? I found a special bonus track I'm going to play just for you. But you're not going to hear it until this drops. Oh, fantastic. Well, we can uh, only imagine what that piece of <laughs> well, wonderful, <laughs> wonderfulness is going to be. Because the look on your face tells me we're going to be in for a treat. And when I go back and listen to this, I will be just as surprised as anybody. So... That's great. Well, before we get there, uh, anything else you want to say about the wrestling album? Um, yeah, I'm glad it's one and done. Um, <laughs> I don't think I'll be listening it again for another five or six years, give no? or take. No. No, I'd rather listen to, I don't know. I'd rather watch my dog spin around three times <laughs> on the carpet, smell it, and then run up the stairs. <laughs> So. All right, well, with that, we'll go ahead and put a bow on this week's episode. We certainly appreciate everybody tuning in. You can send your comments, questions, feedback, show topic ideas, anything of the sort over to the Power Tripper Through the 80s Facebook page, Heart at gmail.com, uh, or the website, klaustotheheart.net, which uh, I, I've, I've made mention of. 
that it's undergoing updates and things of this nature it's going to get a new domain name at the uh at the end of this month it will it will become the pfc network dot net uh at the end of february more information uh will be made available with that uh this was a fun. This was a fun episode. I enjoyed it. It, it was very nostalgic, very very eighties. Yes. So you're welcome. <laughs> All right. Well, stay tuned for the special bonus track, and until then, we will see you next week right here on Power Tripping Through the Eighties on the PFC Entertainment Network. Well, you couldn't be more than five. You're so. To jack you up to take off your shoes. Yeah, well, you're so skinny, your eyes are in single file. Well, you're so ugly, your ears stick out to get away from your face. Well, your mama is Hold so... Hold on, wait a minute, wait a minute. Don't bring anyone's mother into this. She ain't here. If it wasn't for your mother, you wouldn't be here. So remember, when you put down one mother, you put down mothers all over the world. Treat her right.